Yeah. I always loved Jimmy. He's always been, I guess, like a big kid. He would get super excited about everything. Training and fighting, going on a trip somewhere, anything. When he put that excitement into important things, he would be so great, you know? That's why he was such a good boxer. But sometimes he would put that energy into bad things, you know, like arguing or gambling. As much as I wanted to be with him forever, I knew that if things didn't get better, I'd just have to go. Jimmy lay on the locker room floor in pieces, not knowing how he seemingly won and then lost the biggest fight of his life. Gerald sat in a chair at the other end of the room, staring at Jimmy. The thoughts running through Gerald's head were completely different to the ones pounding into Jimmy's. Of course, Jimmy had a lot more on his plate. He had to deal with the critics, the stigma of losing his first major fight, and above all, the financial damage that came with this loss. It wasn't the money Jimmy cared about. He could always get it back. It was telling Lindsay about what he had done, crushing her trust, and showing her what a truly unstable man he was. He couldn't bear to think about how badly he'd wronged the one person who really loved him for him the one person who put in the efforts to ensure a better future for him. Efforts that he destroyed in a single action. Gerald watched on as Jimmy had his existential experience and knew that it wasn't the end for him. Longevity is something every fighter and human being needed to strive for. And no matter how bad the loss, life always continued. Gerald knew Jimmy could make a comeback and that his career was far from over. At 24 years old, he had his whole life ahead of him, and plenty of opportunity to show the world that he was the real deal. Maybe not now. Maybe not in a year. Or even five years. But if Jimmy took the right steps, he could turn this thing around. However, Gerald was quite worried. Knowing Jimmy's drive and energy, this situation could either make or break him. Jimmy would really need to buckle down and practice supreme discipline in order to get back on track. He would need to put his feelings aside and work for an undetermined amount of time before things would get better. Was he willing to do that? Gerald wasn't sure. And this is where his concern came from. Because if Jimmy couldn't concentrate on something positive, he would nosedive right into negativity, and it would be the end of him. Gerald and Jimmy spent the night in New York, before heading back to Patterson in the morning. Jimmy walked up the steps into his apartment, prepared to be consoled by Lindsay about the bad news, before going through with the hard part. Oh, Jesus, Jimmy, look at you. 
Nah, it's okay. I'll be fine. Don't worry about the fight. You'll get another big ticket and come back. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm not worried about bouncing back in the ring. It's just... I lost a little more than the fight. What do you mean? The day before the fight, I... You know what? Don't even tell me. Just, just tell me how much. A lot. How much is a lot? Our savings. Jimmy! Jimmy, what is wrong with you? That was for us! For our future! That was not yours to put on the line! I know, but the odds were ridiculous. Eight to one? Are you fucking kidding me? I almost had him. Almost is the same as losing everything in this situation, Jim. I can't believe how selfish you are. Selfish? I was doing it for us. Well, all you managed to do is fuck everything up. So you know what? Good job. Hey, if I beat that asshole, we would have enough money to buy a house right now. But you didn't, Jim. So now I'm leaving. Where the hell are you going to go? I don't care. Anywhere, just anywhere away from you. Jimmy sat alone in the apartment day after day, feeling unmotivated in every sense of the word. He had seemingly lost everything at once. His money, his girlfriend, his career, his future. He even lost the willingness to do anything, like train, work, eat, sleep. Jimmy was a wreck. With no money, he was unable to cover his basic expenses. Before long, he needed a place to stay, and there was only one person he could think to go to. Lenny. Jimmy? What the hell are you doing here? Len, I... I need a place to stay for a little bit. What's wrong with your place? Well, it's not mine anymore. I can't pay rent right now, so I'm getting kicked out. What do you mean you can't pay rent? I got no money. What? Why not? Before the fight, I put it all on myself. Jimmy. I know, I know. I fucked up. What about Lindsay? She can't cover you guys for now? She's gone, Lenny. I'm on my own now. I got nothing. I just need a place to stay until I can bounce back. Yeah, man. You know I got you. Come inside. At Lenny's apartment, Jimmy spent his days doing mostly nothing. Lenny was gone during the night, working as a security guard. And when he would return, Jimmy was usually sleeping. Sleeping through the day as if he had been working all night too. Jimmy did eventually start working again painting houses and doing contract work, but was unable to save any money. It seemed to just slip through his fingers like sand. Every time he got paid, he would run to his bookie Al, or over to Big Bill's shop and place bets. On top of that, he also began drinking. It started with a few beers here and there, but after a while turned into a daily occurrence. Jimmy also started dabbling in drugs, 
something he had never previously done, and a very uncharacteristic habit for him to get involved with. Jimmy also started to become very irritable, finding any reason to argue or get upset. He even began quarreling with Lenny about the smallest things, and being rather disrespectful to the one person keeping him off the streets. Lenny was too soft to kick him out. Jimmy had stuck up for him too many times in the past for Lenny to do something like that, even if it was for his own good. He knew Jimmy was just lost and needed to find himself. However long it took, he would be patient and have faith. However, things got worse before they got better. Much worse. Jimmy's drinking had taken a sharp turn and his bitter attitude became aggressive in nature. This attitude followed him everywhere he went, and it came with trouble. Jimmy sat in a quiet bar drinking alone. He fixated on a man sitting a few stools down from him, watching the game. The man looked hardened but relaxed, thinking about only what was in front of him. Jimmy envied this, because although the man didn't look particularly happy in life, he wasn't unhappy either. Jimmy forgot what it was like to enjoy things, so he sat and stared, trying to remember. Just then, the man's concentration broke, as he discovered Jimmy looking to no end. Threatened by his stare, the man said, Yeah, can I help you with something? What? I said, can I help you with something? Yeah, you can get the hell away from me and mind your own business. Look, pal, you're the one looking at me like you got a problem. Either you quit looking at me like a nutcase, or I'm gonna give you one. Ah, fuck you. Fuck me? Yeah, fuck you. Get over here! The man raised his fist and swung at Jimmy with full force. The moment he started this motion, Jimmy knew exactly how to dodge the punch and counter with one of his own. But instead of doing that, a little voice in his head said, Let him do it. Let him hit you. Jimmy stood there and let the man's fist pummel right into the side of his face. He let him do it again and again and again. Jimmy could have stopped the fight whenever he wanted to, but didn't. He didn't know why, but feeling this man punish him for something he'd done felt right. He couldn't explain the feeling that came over him as he lay on the floor, tasting blood in his mouth. A couple of nearby patrons pulled the angry man off of Jimmy, but Jimmy didn't want them to. He wanted to feel the pain to feel the hurt like which he had caused Lindsay. For in that moment, he was free. Free from the guilt of his past mistakes. Everything was equal, and he need not worry about the suffering he had caused. It wasn't long before Jimmy found himself in a similar situation. Once again at a bar, being beaten by a man who he had somehow enticed, The freeing sensation washed over Jimmy in his drunken stupor, which he now welcomed with open arms. In time, 
his actions became more belligerent, and confrontation was now a regular occurrence. Out of my way, asshole. I need a drink. Whoa, yo, watch it, motherfucker. What do you think you're doing? I'm getting another drink. What are you doing besides being in my fucking way? This guy fucking serious? Yeah, I'm fucking serious. Do I look like I'm joking around? What the hell's wrong with you? Buddy, if you don't cool out, I'm gonna fuck you up. Yeah, right, cocksucker. Motherfucker! At this point, Jimmy was completely unrecognizable. The energy surrounding him made him appear as a completely different person. Once a highly celebrated member of the Patterson community, now an invisible outcast to whom no one paid any attention, Jimmy grew used to this incognito lifestyle, operating on the periphery of society and without care for the consequences of his actions. He had not been in the gym since his big loss to Tommy Bronson nine months ago. Bronson had since fought once more and lost to an up-and-coming boxer before retiring soon after. In the paper, Jimmy saw the face of the fighter who had beat Bronson, a young man named Jack Augustine from neighboring Newark. Jimmy shed a silent tear at the thought of what his life could have been and swallowed his glass of whiskey in one big gulp. Coach Gerald didn't bother reaching out to Jimmy for the first couple of months, but after discovering he had been evicted from his apartment, had no idea how to contact him. Time flew by without any word from Jimmy, and Gerald's concern only became stronger the more time passed. He knew deep in his heart what must have been going on, that darkness and sorrow was consuming Jimmy in a destructive manner. But without the ability to locate or contact him, Gerald could do nothing but wonder how deep into the abyss Jimmy had gone. After being banned from a large number of bars in the city, Jimmy made a new little dive his regular. He decided to be on his best behavior there, as not to get himself blacklisted from yet another place. This little bar was owned by a man named Scott Davis, an old friend of Coach Gerald. He saw Jimmy show up to drink a few times and didn't know who he was, but after a while connected the dots and realized it was untouchable Jimmy himself. Scott also knew Gerald had lost contact and wanted to see him, but didn't know if Gerald wanted to see him like this. One night, Scott spotted Jimmy at the bar and decided to give Gerald a call to tell him who was there. Shortly after, Gerald showed up with some choice words for Jimmy. Jesus Christ, kid, you look like fucking shit. What the hell are you doing here? Someone told me there was a young, promising boxer here slowly throwing his life away, so I thought I'd show up and try and change his mind. Can I take a seat? If you're gonna sit, then sit. Where the hell have you been? You don't come to the gym no more? You don't even call? What's going on with you, Jim? I'm fucking done. I don't want to box anymore. What kind of immature baby shit is that? You lose one fight and now you want to quit? 
That's not the Jimmy I know. The Jimmy I know would come back with a vengeance and make a fool out of anyone who wanted it. Well, that's not me anymore. I fucked my life up and there's nothing I can do to get it back. Okay, so you fucked up. Everyone does that sometimes. But what you're doing right now is giving up. And that's completely different. I got nothing left to fight for, coach. I think it's best if you just go home and forget about me. I'm speechless, kid. I never would have invited you to the gym that day if I knew this sport was going to turn you into a fucking loser. Gerald slowly got up and walked away from the bar. Jimmy sat in silence and stared into the bottom of his glass. One word ran circles around the inside of his head. Loser. Loser. A fucking loser. Jimmy knew what he was being and knew it was ridiculous, but still couldn't find the strength to get up and turn his life around. The only thing he had strength for was putting the glass to his mouth and throwing his head back. For that, he had a lot of strength, as he did it again, and again, and again. The night grew old, and Jimmy didn't move an inch, only fixating on the glass in front of him, and the one word that seemed to define his entire life. His concentration was broken by an uncanny glare coming from down the bar. A mean-spirited stranger sat at the other end of the room and focused intently on Jimmy. What the hell are you looking at? Nothing, man. Well, I ain't nothing, so what the hell are you looking at me for? Look, buddy, I'm not looking at you, okay? There's nothing for me to see there anyway. What the fuck is that supposed to mean? You don't know the first thing about me, asshole. Oh, yeah, I don't. I know that your whole life is fucked up. You don't know shit. I know Tommy Bronson made you look like a child on TV a few months ago. I also know you lost everything you had on that fight. Because you're a fucking degenerate. Hey, watch your mouth. You lost your girl too. What was her name? Lindsay? Yeah, she was pretty. I'm sure she's cozied up to a new fella by now. A dormant rage surfaced immediately in Jimmy. And for the first time in a long time, he got the urge to fight back. He hit the man with a cracking blow right in the jaw, which knocked him clean off the bar stool. On the ground, Jimmy jumped on top of him and continued beating him with his fists. Practically unconscious, the man had no way to fight back as Jimmy pounded against his face mercilessly. Bloody knuckles mashed into tender flesh and it was clear he had no intention of stopping. With Scott being the only other person in the bar, he was left with the responsibility of pulling Jimmy off the defenseless man. However, in his old age, this proved not to be an easy feat. When he finally got around the bar, the scene taking place was that of a horror movie. Blood pooled on the floor around the man's head, with Jimmy's blood-covered hand still mashing into his face. Scott wrapped Jimmy up and rolled onto the floor with his arms around Jimmy's body, and the unconscious man splayed out motionless, his face a bloody mess, but still quietly breathing. 
the three men laid there on the cold barroom floor, all at completely different places in life. Scott held Jimmy tight and waited for him to calm down, watching tears drip and drop onto the floor as he did so. A new patron entered the bar to discover the appalling scene and called the authorities right away. The man was rushed to the hospital, and Jimmy was escorted to the police station. There wasn't much of an interrogation, because the scene pretty much explained itself. Jimmy was held at the station overnight, and released on bail the next day, with Lenny being the one who put up the money. Between that time and his court date, no words were spoken between Jimmy and anyone else. Not Lenny, not Gerald, not his family, and definitely not Lindsay. Jimmy arrived in court and pled guilty to one count of aggravated assault. Due to the violent nature of the incident and the state of the assault victim, who remained in the hospital for two weeks after the attack, the judge slapped Jimmy with a harsh sentence of five to ten years. The basis of the sentencing being that if Scott was not behind the bar when it happened, the man Jimmy was assaulting would most likely be dead, and the court would be looking at a completely different criminal case. The judge and jury considered Jimmy lucky to be in this situation. And with that, Jimmy accepted his fate and was shipped off to East Jersey State Prison. There, Jimmy did not adjust well to prison life. He was still volatile and did not respond well to authority. On top of that, he was a target among inmates who saw him as a commodity. A once well-known boxer, who most people in prison would have never had the opportunity of meeting. Now a man at such a dramatic low in life, they could get up close and touch him if they wanted to. Angry and indifferent to the consequences of his actions, he mouthed off to the other inmates and prison guards alike. He found himself in scuffles and fights regularly and took beatings as if his body and life had no value. Everyone wanted a piece of him to put hands on the untouchable Jimmy McDermott and feel what it was like to knock out a star. However, this desire was very short-lived, and the attitude of the prisoners changed greatly overnight. Jimmy's aggression and hate-fueled actions didn't change, but in time, the other prisoners began to see it for what it was. Self-loathing. Jimmy never wanted to end fights, just start them, he wanted to be beaten into submission and punish himself for the decisions he had made in the past. Everyone recognized this, and what started as malicious excitement had turned into sorrow and pity. The others at the prison felt genuinely sorry for Jimmy, and soon his spiteful words and invitations to fight had no effect on the other inmates. People left him alone completely, and once again, he was outcasted to the brim of the community. Months passed, and there he stayed, invisible to the eyes and ears of those around him. Jimmy gave up on fighting and spoke to no one day after day. He was left alone with his thoughts, and an unhealthy cycle of ideas spun around in his head. In his cell, Jimmy began to fashion a knife out of a plastic dustbin handle. 
he didn't know why he wanted to fashion this knife, or for what purpose it would serve him in the future. He only knew that he wanted to have it, to keep it nearby, for whatever reason may present itself. The days grew long and the nights grew cold. Jamie saw no way out of this terrible life he had made for himself, and couldn't stand to think about the future. For him, there was none, no path to happiness, or anything resembling a reasonable life. Jimmy scraped and scraped the plastic handle against the concrete windowsill in his cell, pressing and grinding until the side of the handle began to form an acute angle. Before long, the edge of the handle was sharp and pointy. Jimmy ran his thumb along the sharp edge and pressed it against the hard point. It broke his skin, and a drop of dark red blood appeared on his thumb. Jimmy placed the makeshift knife under his mattress and put his head on the pillow. He laid in bed with his eyes closed, but did not sleep the entire night. When the sun arose in the early morning, Jimmy wondered what the day would have in store for him, and his lack of knowing was of great concern. In the prison yard that afternoon, Jimmy sat alone. He stared at the high walls that confined him and his peers, and listened to the sounds that reverberated within them. He heard the other inmates lifting weights, playing basketball, talking and laughing. He wondered how they were able to seem so normal, and go on with life as if they weren't in confinement. Even though many of the inmates would be here for years and years, they still found the motivation to socialize, play games and live their lives, a feeling Jimmy knew very well in the past, but seemed totally foreign to him now. He didn't know if the feeling would ever return, and feared what would happen if it didn't. In the midst of this harrowing contemplation, Jimmy heard something he hadn't heard in a long time. Hey, Jimmy. What do you want, kid? Man, why you let these idiots in here beat you up like that? I don't know what you're talking about. Come on, man. I've seen you get in, what, six, seven fights in here? Every time you let some scrub give you the business. Why? I don't know. Where are you from? I'm from Patterson. Oh, yeah? Me too. Why are you in here? Me and my friends stole a car. We were going to sell it. Stupid. I should have just stayed in the gym. What? You box? Yeah, man. Won city league last year. Well, good for you, kid. What are you doing stealing cars if you're so good at fighting? I don't know. Just got caught up with these knuckleheads from the block. Made some stupid decisions. Yeah, I know what that's like. But I learned something from being in here. Life out there, it's worth it, man. That's why, as soon as I get out of here, I'm going straight back to the ring. I'm going pro. Just like you. Do you know who I am? Yeah, man. You're untouchable Jimmy. You're the whole reason I ever put on gloves and got in there. Look. The young man pulled a picture out of his pocket and handed it to Jimmy. The picture showed the kid several years younger, posing next to Jimmy after one of his amateur bouts. 
both held their fists up and smiled brightly, perfectly encapsulating the happiness of a time forgotten. Jesus, kid, I had no idea. What about you? You gonna make a comeback? I don't know. I think my time is over. Here. Nah, you keep it. I think you need it more than me. Jimmy returned to his cell with the picture and spent the entire evening looking at it. His expression in the picture was that of an unrecognizable person and the boys that of hope and happiness. For back then, other people did see Jimmy as a beacon of optimism, a promise that if he could make it, then anyone could. Jimmy didn't just let himself down with his actions, but everyone else who believed in him. He placed his crude plastic knife down on the floor and looked at it intently. He thought earnestly to himself, is there anything in my life really worth fighting for? Is it really all for nothing? Jimmy slept holding the picture and the knife tightly in his hands. He dreamt of his life before all the mistakes, back when he had done everything right. He dreamt of running next to Lenny on the basketball court, going to Coach Gerald's gym for the first time, and hitting the bag like someone who had a purpose. When he awoke the next morning, he looked at the picture of himself and the young boy and started to remember what it felt like to be the man in the photo. That morning, Jimmy decided to fight in the biggest battle of his life, for his life. He started by doing some push-ups. Although his muscles hadn't been worked like that in a long time, it felt good to use them again. He then went on to write. First, a letter to Coach Gerald saying thank you for all the wonderful things he had done and that his efforts had not gone unappreciated. Next, he wrote a letter to the man at the bar, the one he put in the hospital. Jimmy expressed remorse for his violent actions and said that he wouldn't do anything like that to anyone ever again. After that, he wrote a letter to Lindsay, apologizing for his irrational behavior and wishing her a happy life with the man she deserved. And finally, a letter to Lenny for being the best friend a person could ever ask for. These gestures were small for most, but great for Jimmy, who had never really gone out of his way for anyone else before. He looked again at the picture, and then to the knife. With two hands, he grabbed the knife and snapped it in half with his thumbs. He threw the pieces under the bed and looked out the window. In that moment, Jimmy realized he had done more good than bad with his life. And even though he had gone deep down a path of darkness, it wasn't too late to turn around and go the right way. Jimmy knew he wouldn't get Lindsay back and that his boxing career might be gone for good too. But if he didn't at least try, he would lose everything forever. Right then and there, Jimmy chose to live. He chose to fight. Because if he didn't, he would become the thing Coach Gerald said he was. A loser. <laughs>
from now on he had no choice. He would live every day, fighting to stay alive, fighting to prove that his life had meaning. This was not the end for the untouchable Jimmy McDermott, but a new beginning. And although he had been touched by wickedness and misfortune, Jimmy would get back up and not back down. He would fight, and he would win.